Hello out there. <laughs> this is White Ash Flies with Colin Mahoney. And thank you so much for tuning in. Today, finally, the open invitation has been accepted. And we've got three very important guests joining us at the White Ash Flies studios. Right. Welcome. <laughs> I hope you didn't have too much trouble finding a parking spot. Yeah, well, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Um, um, my name's Bobby. My name's Hank. I'm Tilly. <laughs> well, welcome. So nice to have you here. Uh, today, especially nice to have you here because I'm reading some nonsense poetry by two guys who lived in England in the 1800s, Edward Lear and Lewis Carroll. Kids' poetry in those days could be a little dreary, a little sappy and preachy. A couple big themes that you come across often are, uh, one, the kid who behaved herself and was rewarded for it, or two, the kid who behaved badly and paid a price for her bad behavior. Remember in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? When Violet Beauregard chews the gum that tastes like a three-course meal, yeah. and she ends up turning into a giant blueberry, yeah. and the Oompa Loompas roll her out singing a song telling kids not to chew gum all the time, well, that song's poking fun at the preachy kids' poems. And Edward Lear and Lewis Carroll do too. And they much preferred to make kids laugh at the ridiculous behavior of grown-ups <laughs> or at animals behaving like ridiculous grown-ups. <laughs> and in Lewis Carroll's most famous poem, Jabberwocky, the words themselves are what's ridiculous. <laughs> but just because the words are made up nonsense doesn't mean that they don't make sense. By the way, Jabberwocky comes from Through the Looking Glass, which is a sequel to Alice's Adventure in Wonderland. Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the burrogoves, and the mome raths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the manxome foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the tolgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two. And through and through, the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O oh, frabjous day, kaloo, kalay. He chortled in his joy. T'was brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the burrow goves, and the mome raths outgrabe.
There was an old person of Yule, who chiefly subsisted on gruel. But to make it more nice, he inserted some mice, which refreshed that old person of Yule. Gross! Gross! There was an old man who said, How shall I flee from this horrible cow? I will sit on this stile and continue to smile, which may soften the heart of that cow. (laughs) (laughs) Do do that one, one, do that one. Whoa. The duck and the kangaroo. (laughs) The duck and the kangaroo. Said the duck to the kangaroo, Good gracious, how you hop! Over the fields in the water, too, as if you never would stop. My life is a bore in this nasty pond, and I long to go out in the world beyond. I wish I could hop like you, said the duck to the kangaroo. Please give me a ride on your back, said the duck to the kangaroo. I would sit quite still and say nothing but quack the whole of the long day through. And we'd go to the D in the Jelly Bow Lee, over the land and over the sea. Please take me a ride. Oh, do, said the duck to the kangaroo. Said the kangaroo to the duck. This requires some little reflection. Perhaps on the whole it might bring me luck. And there seems but one objection, which is, if you'll let me speak so bold, Your feet are unpleasantly wet and cold and would probably give me the rheumatiz, said the kangaroo. Said the duck, As I sat on the rocks, I've thought over that completely, and I bought four pairs of worsted socks which fit my web feet neatly. (laughs) And to keep out the cold, I've bought a cloak, and every day a cigar I'll smoke all to follow my own dear true love of a kangaroo. Said the kangaroo, I'm ready. Said the kangaroo, I'm ready, all in the moonlight pale. But to balance me well, dear duck, sit steady, and quite at the end of my tail. So away they went with a hop and a bound, and they hopped the whole world three times round. And who's so happy, oh who, as the duck and the kangaroo? There was an old person of Putney, whose food was roast spiders and chutney. Yuck! Which he took with his tea within sight of the sea. That romantic old person of Putney. <laughs> Why is he romantic? <laughs> yeah, he eats spiders. That's not romantic. There was an old person of Bangor, whose face was distorted with anger. He tore off his boots and subsisted on roots, that boracible person of Bangor. (laughs) How did that one? The Lobster Tis the voice of the lobster. I heard him declare, You have baked me too brown. I must sugar my hair. As a duck with its eyelids, so he with his nose trims his belt and his buttons 
and turns out his toes. I passed by his garden and marked with one eye how the owl and the oyster were sharing a pie, while the duck and the dodo, the lizard and cat, were swimming in milk round the brim of a hat. There was an old man in a boat who said, I'm afloat, I'm afloat. When they said, no, you ain't, he was ready to faint. That unhappy old man in a boat. That's a funny one. There was an old person of Dutton whose head was so small as a button. So to make it look big, he purchased a wig and rapidly rushed about Dutton. There was an old person of Spain who hated all trouble and pain. So he sat on a chair with his feet in the air. That umbrageous old person of Spain. It's like pain, but that looks very painful. The Walrus and the Carpenter The sun was shining on the sea, shining with all his might. He did his very best to make the billows smooth and bright. And this was odd, because it was the middle of the night. The moon was shining sulkily, because she thought the sun had got no business to be there after the day was done. It's very rude of him, she said, to come and spoil the fun. The sea was wet as wet could be, the sands were dry as dry. You could not see a cloud, because no cloud was in the sky. No birds were flying overhead. There were no birds to fly. The walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand. They wept like anything to see such quantities of sand. If this were only cleared away, they said, it would be grand. If seven maids with seven mops swept it for half a year, do you suppose, the walrus said, that they could get it clear? I doubt it, said the carpenter, and shed a bitter tear. Oh, oysters, come and walk with us, the walrus did beseech. A pleasant walk, a pleasant talk, along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each. The eldest oyster looked at him, but never a word he said. The eldest oyster winked his eye and shook his heavy head, meaning to say he did not choose to leave the oyster bed. But four young oysters hurried up, all eager for the treat. Their coats were brushed, their faces washed, their shoes were clean and neat. And this was odd, because, you know, they hadn't any feet. Four other oysters followed them, and yet another four. And thick and fast they came at last, and more, and more, and more. All hopping through the frothy waves, and scrambling to the shore. The walrus and the carpenter walked on a mile or so, and then they rested on a rock 
conveniently low. And all the little oysters stood and waited in a row. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot, and whether pigs have wings. But wait a bit, the oysters cried, before we have our chat, for some of us are out of breath, and all of us are fat. No hurry, said the carpenter. They thanked him much for that. A loaf of bread, the walrus said, is what we chiefly need. Pepper and vinegar besides are very good indeed. Now, if you're ready, oysters dear, we can begin to feed. But not on us, the oysters cried, turning a little blue. After such kindness, that would be a dismal thing to do. The night is fine, the walrus said. Do you admire the view? It was so kind of you to come, and you are very nice. The carpenter said nothing but, Cut us another slice. I wish you were not quite so deaf. I've had to ask you twice. It seems a shame, the walrus said, to play them such a trick, after we've brought them out so far and made them trot so quick. The carpenter said nothing but, The butter's spread too thick. I weep for you, the walrus said. I deeply sympathize. With sobs and tears, he sorted out those of the largest size, holding his pocket handkerchief before his streaming eyes. Oh, oysters, said the carpenter, you've had a pleasant run. Shall we be trotting home again? But answer came there none and this was scarcely odd, because they'd eaten every one. There was an old man with a beard, who sat on a horse when he reared. But they said, Never mind, you will fall off behind, you propitious old man with a beard. <laughs> there was an old person whose habits induced him to feed upon rabbits. When he'd eaten 18, he turned perfectly green, <laughs> upon which he relinquished those habits. <laughs> oh, I think I know what he did. What? I'll do that There was an old person of Florence who held mutton chops in abhorrence he purchased a bustard and fried him in mustard, which choked that old person of Florence. All right, good work, guys. That was fun. Oh, and happy birthday, Hank. This whole book is a funny book. Yeah. <laughs> All right.